Are you a lawyer who desires more freedom and flexibility in your work life? To be more available for your family, stop deferring those bucket list travel destinations until retirement, take care of yourself physically and mentally, or even just have more time for your other passions and priorities. What would it mean for your life if you could continue to practice law without sacrificing in any of these areas or sacrificing your income? I'm Kaylee Jacome, host of the Lawyer on Your Terms podcast. I run a six-figure virtual law practice working less than 25 hours a week. I'm a mom of two little ones and started my practice so I wouldn't have to choose between my vision of motherhood and my legal career. Your dreams and priorities may be different, but if you're curious about how to create a practice that is designed around your most important priorities in life, rather than always having to fit your life around your career, then you're in the right place. You, my friend, are more than just a lawyer, and you can lawyer on your own terms. Welcome to the Lawyer on Your Terms podcast. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey there, before we dive in, I just want to remind you that our promo for the Accelerator program is going on now. This Done With You program is built to support you through all the facets of building a flexible and even part-time legal practice in 12 modules with over 50 lessons. You can complete these when it's most convenient for you, plus you get one-on-one live coaching with me as you move through these modules in a monthly Zoom strategy session so we can implement what you're learning and begin to actually build out the pieces of your firm and marketing strategy together. When you sign up this week to join the Accelerator for a January start date, you are also going to receive these amazing bonuses. The first is a complimentary website template from Elizabeth McCravey's collection. They have a value of $797 and they are absolutely gorgeous. Plus, the template comes with its own course on how to easily customize your website. You can check out Elizabeth's templates at elizabethmccravey.com. And your second bonus is an all-day in-person or virtual strategy day with me. In-person sessions are available in New Jersey, New York City, or St. Louis, or we can meet virtually for a five-hour intensive working strategy session. This alone has a value of $2,500. These bonuses end November 12th. Of course, the goal is not just to build a successful law practice. It's to build a law practice that fits into your life, your priorities, and your dreams. The Accelerator gives you the power to do just that, and it all starts with having a plan. If you're interested but you're not sure if this program is right for you, I'm happy to jump on a complimentary consultation and discuss your goals. You can find a link to book a time with me in the show notes below. So now let's dive into today's episode. Today we're talking about the four ways to maximize your time and profits in your law practice. You've likely heard the saying, work smarter, not harder. And when it comes to building a law practice that generates the income you desire while also allowing you ample time for the things that matter in your life, embracing this mantra is critical. So today we're going to talk about four ways to do this. We all want that dream of a thriving law career without sacrificing our lives outside of the office. The goal then in becoming more efficient is not just so we can stick even more work in that save time but so that we can fit our lives into that save time to slow down, to be present, to take care of ourselves and embrace all the other identities that we hold as a complex human with a rich life, not just a workaholic lawyer. All right, so let's start off with number one, which is keeping your overhead low. When you have a virtual practice model, 
this is much easier to do. But even within the context of a virtual model, you want to be careful that you're choosing the right tools, one that really pack a punch in terms of their capability and price point. And this goes from your client management softwares to your project management softwares, which can be different. There are so many choices out there that you really have to sift through and determine what is going to be right for your practice area and your need. So when it comes to client management softwares, there are many that are geared towards law firms specifically and others that are not geared towards law firms that are just for service providers in general. And when it comes to those law firm specific softwares, my favorite pick is my case. This has a lot of different capabilities. However, I will say that my case and all of the law firm specific softwares do have some of their own shortcomings as well. Another option is to consider a client management software that is not geared towards law firms. And these tend to have a lower price point. Depending on your practice area, you might be able to get away with this or not. But what I tend to like about the non-law firm geared client management softwares are they tend to have a lot more capabilities in terms of automation, setting up workflows, setting up automatic emails, really streamlining that client intake process. And I also tend to think that they provide a better client experience. Now, this is not true for every non-law firm client management software. My favorites are HoneyBook and Dubsado. So generally, I'm going to recommend to most people my case if you want software that is geared specifically towards law firms or HoneyBook or Dubsado and pairing that with LawPay. And inside the accelerator, teach you how to integrate LawPay with HoneyBook or with Dubsado in a really streamlined, seamless way. And even that combination is generally going to save you money compared to my case. Now, there are other areas where you want to be careful and be savvy and look for opportunities to save money. And certainly one of those is in your malpractice insurance. I recommend Embroker. Embroker offers really competitive rates, but certainly shop the market. You can get a fairly quick quote from Embroker by filling out a little submission form that takes, I think, 15 to 20 minutes, and then you can get a quote there. So that can give you a really good starting point to base your other quotes off of. Now, remember, saving money is not just about picking the right tools. It's also keeping an eye on the wallet. Monthly subscriptions can really sneak up, of course, in our personal life with Netflix account here and a Hulu over here and all the apps on your phone, but they can also sneak up in our businesses. So I recommend that you do a regular checkup when it comes to your business expenses and look at your business costs either every month or at least quarterly and make sure that they're still pulling their weight. Now, investing in your business is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. You just want to make sure that it's a smart investment and perhaps something made sense at the time and it no longer makes sense. For example, I had a subscription to a photo stock membership program when I was doing a few projects where I really needed a lot of great photography that I wanted it to be unique for marketing purposes. And I got a subscription to that, but then I found that there were several months through the year where I didn't, I no longer needed it. You may run into those expenses where you needed it at the time and you no longer needed it. Being careful to keep an eye on that and not having any unnecessary expenses in your business. So point number two here is 
focusing on organic marketing based on one piece of long-form content. So that was a mouthful, and I'm going to break that down for you. Basically, what I mean here is you are going to be marketing your business, not focusing on paid advertising, and also streamlining this entire content creation process by focusing on one piece of content that you repurpose. So let's dive into this a little bit more and break it down. Long-form content is some type of original piece of content that you create that could be a blog article or a video or an audio file. For most people, that's going to be a blog on your website, maybe a video on your website or on YouTube or audio, which is probably a podcast. But it's somewhere where you're really fleshing out an idea a lot. It's not just a quick post and it's permanent. So it's going to live on your blog forever. It's going to live on YouTube. It's going to live on the podcast host. And people are able to come back to it over and over again. It's not just, you know, here today, gone tomorrow, like social media can be. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to utilize social media, but your social media content is going to be derivative from that long form content. The advantage of focusing on the long form content is that it is going to, like I said, have a longer, much longer shelf life. And it also will enable people to find it from search engines. So people can go to Google or any other search engine and they can search keywords. And depending on how dialed in the SEO of your website is and how strategic you were in creating that content, they will be able to find you. Now, let's press pause there because I don't want to intimidate you too much. When it comes to having good SEO, really the sky is the limit on how much attention you want to give to this. But Google prioritizes valuable content. So as an expert in your field, if you are drafting a blog article that is just simply very helpful to potential clients, then it's going to be picked up in Google and it's going to be brought higher up in the search results. Now, one thing about that, you do want to put some thought into what words are lay people using. So while it's not a total mistake to use legalese when you need to, you also want to be considering what are my prospective clients actually searching for? So for example, if you are in family law and you are writing an article on spousal support and you keep, and that's the only key term you use is spousal support, but your prospective clients are searching the word alimony, then th that there might be an issue there. So you want to really consider what are my prospective clients searching for what is their terminology for this idea? Okay, so then after you have created your long-form content, you want to repurpose that content across various platforms to maximize the reach and the engagement that you get. When I say diverse or various platforms, I really would encourage you to stick to two. Initially, maybe just one until you've really dialed that in and then two. Only when you have a team should you really even be thinking about three. And so what are some examples of what these platforms might be? The main three would be LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and possi possibly Twitter. Now, creating that long-form content is going to serve as the cornerstone for your marketing strategy, and you are going to take snippets of this or summarize portions of your content to create other forms of content like infographics or maybe a short video or a reel or just a photo with a caption underneath. Now you can do this yourself 
And you can also utilize the help of AI and or a virtual assistant to help in this process. Now, I am a proponent of being very careful about how you use AI in content creation. And that can be like a whole separate episode. We can talk about that. But you, first of all, you want it to be legally accurate. You want it to be in your voice just by the nature of how AI works. It's scanning the internet and compiling information from the World Wide Web and then collecting that information together. So it does not have original thoughts. It is a language processing system, essentially. So you also want to make sure that AI is not infringing on the copyright of some other author and then you are republishing that. However, one of the ways that I think is very useful to use AI is by creating that long-form content and then using AI to summarize portions of it to create social media captions. So you are not using someone else's words. You are actually instructing AI to use the your original content and then create a derivative work like a social media post or something like that. So that can save a considerable amount of time. And then you can use things like social media graphic templates. If you're familiar with Canva, that is a really great, very user-friendly tool when it comes to graphic design. There are a ton of templates inside Canva that you can use. Or what I really recommend is that you go over to creativemarket.com and here you'll find a lot of different templates that may specifically be for Instagram or Facebook or a bundle with both that will give you a collection of different templates that are all cohesive in design. So they're very affordable too. You can purchase that, download it, and then bring that over into Canva and and create social media posts there that are derivative of your long-form content. Or what I would really recommend is using the power of AI to help you generate those derivative captions and use a virtual assistant to actually create the post for you because you can tinker around in Canva for hours and hours. And unless it's something that you really enjoy and you're really proficient at and you just have an eye for design, that might be something that is worth getting off your plate. And then finally, there are several automated tools that you can use, like Hootsuite is a very popular one or Buffer, where you can schedule your content so you can batch your content or perhaps your virtual assistant can batch it, and then they can schedule it to be posted at different times of the week. So you are not the one who is constantly posting on social media, going onto your phone on Instagram, killing an hour, just posting things, and then inevitably getting pulled into the chains of the scroll. So that is a huge time saver as well. Point number three here is developing strategic relationships. And I had a whole episode on this, which I'll link below, but this is one of the most important things that you can do. And really the time that you invest in identifying potential strategic partners, these could be other lawyers, but even more other professionals who are in complementary fields, the time that you take identifying those potential relationships, developing them and nurturing them will pack more punch for your marketing efforts than almost anything else that you can do. So really cultivating those strategic relationships is indispensable for your referrals and also collaborative opportunities. All right, so let's consider an example of a real estate attorney. 
who is actively engaged in pursuing and developing these strategic relationships. So she focuses on nurturing relationships with key individuals, and these might be real estate agents, mortgage brokers, or property developers. And by establishing trust and providing value to those professionals who are going to need a real estate attorney to refer clients to, she becomes the go-to legal expert in those real estate matters. So as a result, these professionals are probably going to refer clients to her very regularly. She could also invest time in developing relationships with real estate investment groups, again, providing legal insights and guidance, and then becoming a valuable resource for the group's members, leading to a consistent stream of clients seeking her legal expertise. So I can't stress this enough. I really encourage you to make this really the pinnacle of your marketing effort. And I've said it before, but I will say it again. This is something that I invested a lot of energy into in the first couple of years that I was establishing my firm. And I'm very grateful that I did because when I had my second child, I had a very difficult pregnancy and just a lot of health issues. And I wasn't able to do any marketing for months and months and months. But my business and my revenue were not affected by that at all. Because of these really strong relationships that I established, those remained even if I wasn't communicating with them, even if I wasn't posting anything. And they continued to refer clients to me, which resulted in a continuous stream of new leads and new clients coming into my firm, even when I had a pretty limited capacity physically to do much more than just, you know, serve the clients that I had. So this, again, should really be the biggest focus of your marketing strategy. All right. Now, our final point here, number four, is developing detailed SOPs to outsource tasks to a VA, a virtual assistant. So outsourcing tasks to a virtual assistant, a VA, can significantly improve your operational efficiency. But it's very critical to provide them with the tools and the instructions that they need to do their job well, or it's not going to save you any time. It's going to create problems. And so I highly recommend that as you move through building your firm, as you you know start bringing in new clients and maybe you're not yet ready to hire a virtual assistant, still begin developing those SOPs on different things that you do in your business, different workflows. So for instance, your client onboarding SOP, it may detail the step-by-step process from the client intake contact to the first consultation. So when you have a new hire come in, they know exactly how this works in your business. And hopefully that also includes document templates like engagement letters, intake forms, protocols. If you already have all of this together in your client management system in a simple workflow, then you can just create a short video and a tool like Loom, and that can be your SOP where you are walking through any new hire or your VA through how your client onboarding works. And rather than needing to provide them with all these documents, they're already uploaded there. It's already all automated. And this is going to save you time both when you don't have a team member and when you're onboarding someone because now you can devote the hours that you're retaining them to work that you and or your software cannot accomplish. Having an SOP for your marketing strategy. Now this can be, this is helpful when you outsource things to a VA, but it's also just 
helpful in your own mind to not reinvent the wheel. And I can tell you from experience, you'll see a new idea, a new marketing strategy, you'll want to implement it. And when you don't already have just a well-oiled machine running in terms of your marketing strategy, it's very easy to get scattered. It's very easy to have that bright, shiny object syndrome and, and get pulled away. And it makes it more difficult to integrate new marketing ideas that maybe are going to be helpful and are going to be worthwhile. But if you don't have a really dialed in system, it's just going to insert chaos into what you're already trying to do. So again, I really highly recommend that your marketing SOP begin with the creation of that long form content. Now, it could be you are the one who is creating the long form content, either the blog post or a video or an audio file. Or you might consider creating an outline just of basic points that you want to cover and finding another legal writer, and I recommend this person be an attorney, who can actually flesh out that blog article for you. Now, obviously, if you're going to be creating a video or audio, you need to be the one actually recording that. But you can also follow the system of creating a short outline, having someone else really flesh that out into a script for you. And then using that to really just expedite the time that it takes you to create that finished product of the long form content. Then from there, you want to have a procedure that's written out that you can pass on to anyone that very clearly outlines what needs to be done with that long form piece of content, how it needs to be posted, whether that's on your blog or on YouTube or on a, a podcast. And then after we post that, what are all the other action items that need to happen? Um, and so you would be amazed how many little sub items that can really involve, even when you have a fairly simple marketing strategy. So maybe that is that somebody, you or your VA, need to take that long form content and create an infographic or create, you know, a few social media posts with an engaging caption on it. Um, if you're doing Instagram, maybe that is both posts and stories. And then what is the system for posting that? The more that you can have that detailed, the easier it's going to be for you, whether you're working alone or certainly to pass off to an assistant. Now, of course, your virtual assistant, whether it's your first or your third, is probably not going to be with you forever. So this is also very helpful for when you need to replace a VA, onboard someone new, so you have less time that you need to spend onboarding that person. They can just hit the ground running with all the tools they need. Another area that's very helpful to create SOPs around is your email marketing. Now, this is not something that you need to do right away when you launch your firm, but I do think that it is a very important long-term growth strategy to really keep an engaged audience. When you have an email marketing SOP, it's going to establish your guidelines for creating email campaigns, segmenting your audience. So that is inside your email marketing software. You can actually divide up your audience based on their needs or interest and then measuring your campaign performance. Which emails are doing well? What do people like reading? What are the subject lines that are getting people to open your emails? Let's dial into what's working and let's move away from maybe what is not working so well. So really looking at that data. And you don't want to be flying by the seat of your pants because that just makes it makes everything more difficult. It makes everything take a lot more time. 
and it puts a lot of added stress and mental load onto you and or your team. Now, last, but uh, definitely not least, this is a crucial part of your practice, is the actual practice of law, right? And your SOPs for your client workflows. And that can be your document management, case progress, tracking, just the status of things, streamlining your operations, and all of that. You want it to be really clear that when a client comes in, of course, the how each case progresses, depending on what service and what particular need they have, is going to vary. But can you create a workflow for this type of case? These are the stages that generally a case is going to move through. And that might be, let's say you're drafting a document. What is your workflow for moving through this typically? Or you are creating a trust, you're doing a will and a trust for a client. Or let's say you're an estate planning attorney and you are creating a Medicaid protection trust. You have stages that you're going to work through, just a project management SOP that's going to be helpful for you. It's also going to be helpful if you can bring on a legal assistant to help with some of those items later on and just make sure that nothing is falling through the cracks. And again, that is reducing the mental load of having to do this without a really clear SOP. And it helps you to outsource those tasks when you can. That's it for today's episode. And don't forget to check out more information about the accelerator in the show notes below. The beauty of the Accelerator is it's really a custom program that is adjusted to fit your specific needs. So if you are entering into the world of entrepreneurship for the first time and you need to build your firm from the ground up or develop an exit strategy, we are doing that for you. If you are curious about how to create more passive income streams in your current law practice with digital products or courses, we do that. If you need to ignite your marketing efforts with a strategic plan to bring in consistent leads and generate more revenue, we are doing that. In the Accelerator, we are working together to build out a personalized plan for you to lawyer on your own terms. So I hope you will join me inside the Accelerator and I will see you again next week. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me and really help us grow. If you would take a moment to go to your podcast app where you listen and leave us a review. If you know a lawyer who you think would enjoy this podcast, please take a screenshot of your favorite episode and send it to them or tag them in a post. And before we leave, I just want to remind you that you are more than just a lawyer and you can lawyer on your own terms. I'll see you next week.